Well, good morning. It is great to be with you. My name is Joe Valenti, and I'm one of the pastors on staff here. I serve with our 6th through 12th graders. And I want to begin this morning by, again, saying Happy Mother's Day um, in maybe a more serious way than the video did. Um, to those who gave birth this year to their first child, we celebrate with you. To those who lost a child this year through miscarriage or failed adoption or other means, as a church, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility with its pokes and prods and disappointments, we love you and we're here to walk with you. To those who have become mothers by way of adoption, we rejoice with you. To those foster moms and mentor moms and spiritual moms, we need you and we're grateful for you. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate with you. And to those who have disappointment or heartache or distance with your children, we will continue to pray for your children and that relationship to be restored. To those who are caring and loving children with developmental and physical delays, we value your children with you and are here to hold you up in the journey when you're weary. To those who lost their mothers this year, we grieve with you. To those who experienced abuse at the hands of your mother, we recognize your experience and we trust that God and his sovereignty will turn this evil for good. To those who are here and who are single or who are not yet mothering and desire to be, we mourn that life has not turned out as you had hoped yet, and we will pray alongside you and walk alongside you as you continue to seek God's will for your life. To those who are step-parents, we value you and we walk with you in these difficult paths of life. To those of you who have placed your children up for adoption, we commend you for your selflessness. And we remember how you hold your children in your heart and continue to pray God's guidance in their lives. To those of you who have had abortions, we trust God's sovereign hand in the life of your child and we live in his grace with you. To those of you who will have emptier nests in the coming year, we both grieve and rejoice with you. And to those of you who are pregnant with new life, we anticipate with you. While Jesus was hanging on the cross, one of the things that has always been so interesting to me is that he did not fail to make provision for his mom to be taken care of. God is the creator of motherhood, and Jesus honors and holds up motherhood, and we trust the work of the Holy Spirit in all of you moms that he will continue to be faithful to you and to your families. So, CVC mamas of all types, we love you, we honor you. Happy Mother's Day. I'm going to invite Louise Moyer, one of the leaders of our prayer ministry, to come at this time and pray over our mothers. Good morning. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, merciful God, gracious, abounding in steadfast love and your faithfulness, Lord, you are so forgiving, Lord. You're righteous, just, and holy. You are the one who created us. You sustain our lives, Lord, and that you called us to do good works, Lord, and you equip us in those good works. You called us to glorify your name and to disciple others, Lord. And so we thank you for the blessing of mothers to raise our children to seek your face. Thank you for entrusting us with their care. Lord, Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit because we know that we cannot do this on our own. Lord, we need your spirit to teach us, 
to lead us, correct us, and help us in our weaknesses. Lord Father, please lead each mother as they nurture, instruct, correct, and care for their children in the light of your word. We ask for wisdom, love, and strength to lead the children in your truth, Lord, which they need this desperately to navigate in this world. Lord Father, I just thank you for the strength that you give us by your spirit. I pray, Lord Father, that each mother and their children would know the depth and the height and the width of your love, Lord. And Lord Father, that they have been made and created to glorify your name. So I pray for the leading of the children, Lord, to know that you are the one true God, that you are a God worthy to be praised and honored. You are a God who is faithful and true. And so, Lord, Father, this world brings many challenges, misunderstandings and hardships and losses. We believe some lies that, that have been told to us, Lord. And at times we feel so overwhelmed by all these things. Lord, Father, you are not surprised by this world. And you are not surprised by what is going on in our children's lives. And so, Lord, Father, we seek you for wisdom today, that you are the one who equips, Lord, by the foundation of the truth of your word, our identity in Jesus Christ, because he died on the cross for us, and we believe in faith of all that he has done for us and who he is. Pray for your steadfast love and your truth, Lord, Father, to reign in the, our hearts as mothers, in the hearts of, of women today who long to be mothers, Lord. But that joy and the humility and gratitude in our heart would, would reach out to the children in our lives, Lord, whether they are our own or in our neighborhood or in our schools or even in our workplace. Lord, Father, you have given us peace through Jesus Christ. And there's a lot of suffering in this world, loss of fertility, loss of a child, loss of mother of a mother. There's so many health issues, Lord, hardship of estranged relationships, but you are a God who comforts, heals, and redeems. And pray, Lord Father, that by your spirit, Lord Father, that we can live a life that would bring glory to your name in these things, Lord, knowing that you are the one who leads us. You are faithful to do what you have promised, Lord. And so, Lord, Father, I lift these women up to you. I lift the mothers of the world. I pray, Lord, Father, for each woman here at CBC, that they would know your heart, Lord, and as they know you more, that they can live a life to glorify your name as they raise their children and, and point them in the direction to you. So, Lord, Father, we thank you for all that you do in our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I've been here at CVC for, goodness, 16 years, and one of the joys is that I get to be involved in, you know, the weddings of students. A lot of them have grown up, and they're now getting married, and it's getting to the point now where this past week, uh, one, of, one of the first students I actually had when I was a youth pastor came in with his wife and their first little baby. And uh, it, was a, it was a blessing to get to meet Caleb. It made me feel really old to meet Caleb. <laughs> But nonetheless, it was a blessing. And I had not seen uh, Kevin and his wife for quite some time. And so, you know, they came into my office and we sat down and we started to try and catch up. And Caleb just kept interrupting us. It was really, you know, he kept needing things, right? I, I, I tried to explain to him, hey, we haven't seen each other in a while. We're trying to catch up on life. Could you calm down? And he just was not having it. Right? Uh, through the whole time that we were together trying to catch up on life and marriage and, you know, all the things going on in my family and their family and different jobs and all this thing, Caleb needed to be rocked and he needed to be fed and he needed to be changed. He was constantly needing something. And, you know, and I got the opportunity to hold him and he was really squirmy. You know, I don't know if maybe, maybe you've encountered a child like that, or maybe you've had one of your own. My daughter, Grace, was like that. Like, I had these, these visions. She was, she was my first child adopted, and I had these ideas of, like, she's going to be so cuddly and fun, and, like, she was always, like... And I'd, I'd look at Linda and be like, is something wrong with me? 
Like, what is she doing? Is she not like me? Do I smell funny? You know, um, she was always just squirmy. And Caleb was kind of like that. Like he was, you know, squirmy. It was a blessing to get to see Kevin and Allie and to get to meet Caleb. And as I was preparing for this message, I started to think a little bit about how I'm a lot like Caleb. How I can be prone to, I don't, you know, I don't care about what else is going on in the room. Like, I need my needs to be met. I can tend to whine until I get what I want. I can tend to be kind of squirmy. And I don't mean in a physical way. I mean like in my soul. Lacking contentment. Always striving to find peace. And maybe you're here this morning and you can relate a little bit. Maybe you can relate to Caleb, to being unsatisfied, to always needing and wanting something more, to being unable to find contentment, to being squirmy, restless, lacking peace. Well, David, in our psalm this morning, gives us the solution to that restlessness. He gives us the solution to our lack of contentment. And so if you would, turn with me to Psalm 131. We continue in our series this morning called Soul Care, where we're looking at the psalms and how they apply to our lives And this is a short psalm, but an important psalm because David has found what we're looking for. He has found contentment and satisfaction. And so let's look to learn from the Lord this morning via the pen of David. Psalm 131. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. The first two uh, verses of this psalm are directed towards God. We see this because he addresses God, O oh Lord. And he begins by dealing with his attitudes and desires. The attitudes of his heart, and we'll see that eyes actually has to do with desires. First, he says, my heart is not lifted up. The heart is the seat of our emotions, how we feel, and particularly how we feel about ourselves. And what David here is saying is, I don't think of myself more highly than I ought I don't think of myself as more important, Lord, than you. I have a humble heart. I am in submission to you. And then he says, and my eyes are not lifted, are are not raised too high. There's a phrase like the idea of having high eyes means like desiring more than is necessary. Having unholy ambition. It's not saying that ambition is wrong or that trying difficult things is wrong. After all, David is the one who stepped up to the plate in the battle against Goliath. The idea here is that sometimes we have ambition or pride in our hearts that pushes us towards a place of wanting more than other people so that we can rub their nose in it. C.S. Lewis in his famous book, Mere Christianity, says this, pride gets no pleasure out of having something, only out of having more of it than the next man. We say that people are proud of being rich or clever or good looking, but they're not. They're proud of being rich-er, or cleverer and better looking than others. It is comparison that makes you proud 
the pleasure of being above the rest. And this is the idea of high eyes. So David is saying, my view of myself is right. I don't think of myself more highly than I ought. I don't aspire to more than I need so that I can rub it in other people's faces. He is talking about the humbleness of his heart. And then he transitions from attitudes and desires, the attitude of his heart, the desire of his eyes, to the action. So how does, how does that, how do those emotions, how do those feelings play themselves out in the way that he lives? He says, I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. See, what happens is, is when our heart is prideful, when we think of ourselves more highly than we should, and we aspire to have more than others so that we can rub it in their face and show them that our view of ourselves is correct, well, then naturally, our actions and words follow. And what happens is, when we don't get what we want, when things go south, we can begin to speak and say things to and about God that are way above our pay grade. The best example, I think, in the Bible of this, and it actually uses similar verbiage, is in the story of Job. The beginning of the book of Job, we see that Job loses everything. Job doesn't know what's happening behind the scenes. But God takes everything away from Job. And his initial response is really good. His initial response is the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Essentially saying, God, I don't think of myself too highly. I don't desire more than others so I can rub it in their faces. I trust you. And whatever it is that you're doing, I will submit to it. He starts off really well. But then as time goes by, and as the difficulty and pain in Job's life continues, what we find is there's this unsettled pride lingering at the bottom of his life. And towards the end of Job, I won't read the whole thing, I'll just kind of summarize it. Job basically says to God, you know what? If I had been unfaithful to my wife, I could understand this. Or if I had been mean to people, or if I had not cared for the poor, or if I had been impure, or if I was a liar or a thief, I would get this. But look, I'm none of these things, and so I don't understand what it is that you're doing. Are you, are you gonna explain things or not? And then God answers him. And it is not good. God begins, it says that he answers Job out of the whirlwind. I don't know what that means, but I don't want anything to do with it. <laughs> and for four chapters, God basically explains his resume. Here are just a couple things that he says. Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. And I will question you, and you will make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who shut in the sea with doors when it bursts out from the womb, when I made the clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band? And said, thus far shall you come and no farther, and here shall your proud waves be stayed. Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place that it might take hold of the skirts of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare this if you know all of this. At the end of this whole thing, Job uses very similar words to what David says. He says, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me. And I repent in dust and ashes. 
This idea of not occupying ourselves with things too great and too marvelous doesn't mean that we don't reach and try and get out of our comfort zone. What it means is sometimes there are things that belong to the Lord. And sometimes he is doing or accomplishing things in and through our lives that we don't completely understand. And sometimes it's very, very difficult and painful. And he doesn't always answer all of our questions. And what David is saying is whenever those things happen, I completely entrust them to you. Though they may be hard and I will not understand, I am humbled and submitted to you because I trust you to be good and faithful. And I'll tell you what, just that first verse, you read that, right? And I go, man, I, I, I just, am I, am I like that? You know? These are, you know, pastors, questions pastors ask themselves in their offices. I think, like, can I preach that? Is there, is there anything in me that is like that? And, and I do these, like, mental battles with myself. We're like, maybe way down, let's dig way down deep in Joe Valenti and see if it's there. And I'll be honest with you, like, I don't, I don't think if we stopped right now, right, and just went to a time of prayer, if we just stopped, if I could go before the Lord and, and, and say what David just said, if I could say, Lord, my heart is not lifted up. I don't think of myself more highly than I should. I think of you as highly as I possibly can. And I don't aspire to have more than I need. I have no desire to have more so that I can prove my worth. And whatever you do in my life, Lord, I, good or bad, I submit my life to it. Like, I... I I don't know if I can say that with all honesty. And I just wonder about you. I mean, you know, all honesty, like, could you say that with David? Is that the posture of your heart, the desire of your aspirations? And is that the willingness, is that the faith that you place in God no matter what happens? I'm just not quite there yet but I want to be. You know, like, I want that. I want that heart. I want to be like that. And luckily, David goes on to explain. He seems to have found the secret for that humility before God. Verse 2, he says, but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. Now, calmed and quieted. It is not as if he has like, you know, rocked himself to sleep or gone through some meditation or done some sort of, you know, deep breathing practices to calm himself down. A better way to understand this phrase is that David has actually found deep contentment for his soul. I have found rest and peace for my soul, right? I have calmed and quieted. I am content. And he uses this really great illustration. He says, I've calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Now, when a baby is young, mom is primarily the source of food. Babies are concerned about eating. It's kind of it, you know? And they haven't yet developed relationship with mom that is based on trust. Like, babies aren't thinking to themselves, oh, mom will be here any minute, and I'll eat, so I don't need to cry. Just wait on mom. It'll be good. It'll be good. Right? Babies go, I need to eat, or I will die. Hey, feed me! <laughs> right? I mean, that, that's just kind of what they do. 
And so this is sort of the opposite of what David is saying. David is saying, I have calmed and quieted my soul like, like a weaned child, like one who does not like, need mom only for food. See, this is, this is the opposite end. When we are uncontent, lacking contentment, lacking peace, lacking trust in God, don't believe that he's faithful, don't believe that he will make good on his promises, that's when we are like an unweaned child. And we go, hey, fix this. Hey, do this for me. Hey, I don't like feeling this way. Wave a magic wand or whatever it is you do. Just fix it. I don't like this. Just constantly squirmy. Get, fix it. I don't like all of what I'm feeling. But David has found contentment. See, when a child is weaned from breast milk and relationship begins to develop, mom becomes far more than food. I mean... She's, she's still going to bring the Cheerios, but there's a relationship that has been developed and you know that's coming, right? You know that mom will provide for what you need with a good mom. And so you don't have to scream and yell and whine. And then what happens in best case scenarios, maybe you parents have had these moments where you're, you know, you're just kind of sitting there, maybe you're watching television or you're reading your Bible or you're catching up on something from work and your child walks into the room and you think, here it goes, what do they need? And they just come over and they sit by you. And you're like, what game are you playing, kid? What do you, what do you want, you know? Hey, mom. You know. But sometimes it's just... Oh, I just wanted to be with you. You know? My daughter came down the other day. Was it yesterday? Yesterday. And she just came over and hugged me. And there's a part of me that goes, you playing an angle, you know? But she wasn't. She was just like, good morning, Papa. And that's what David is talking about. When he says, I've quieted and calmed my soul like a weaned child is my soul within me. What he's talking about is that he's so developed faith and trust and relationship with God that God is no longer an errand boy to get what he wants out of him. The win, the joy, the victory, the prize is actually the relationship with him. Just knowing God and being with him has calmed and contented all of who he is. And again, we must ask ourselves the question, which type of person are we? Have we been humbled before God? Have we found our contentment in God, trusting Him fully, and fostering a humble heart? Or have we still not found our contentment in Him? Still not trusting Him in His ways, turning to ourselves to try and get what we want in our timing, and therefore fostering a haughty and prideful heart? Where are you? These are the questions that these Psalms ask us to consider. See, David has found the secret. David has seen God. He knows God. He's experienced the faithfulness of God and the promise keeping of God through difficult times and good times. David has continued to walk with God and therefore his heart is humbled and he is at rest. It's similar to what Pastor Chad preached last week in Psalm 23. Because Yahweh is my shepherd, I have no lack. What about you? See, David is so enamored 
with this relationship that he has with God that the last verse is just, hey, everybody, do that with me. Israel, do that with me. Hope in God from this point and forevermore. Or, hey, CVC, join me in that pursuit. Are you still struggling to find contentment, to find rest for your soul? Are you still squirming? Are you still striving? Can you not find what you're looking for? Join me. You will find it in relationship with God. Not just the things that he can give you, but him. He is the prize. That's what David is calling us to consider. When David says, do this with me. He's calling Israel to action. See, this is really, really important piece of the puzzle. The response from today can't be, like if, if you're here and you say, yeah, I need that. I want that. I want to find my contentment in God. I want to find rest for my soul. I want to have a humble spirit. I want to trust God with every aspect of my life. The response is not, well, I'll just go home and put my hands in my pockets and wait for him to do it. See if he does. See, notice, David says, I have calmed and quieted my soul. Now, he's not saying that he has produced it because clearly it is God who has produced it, but he is saying that he has pursued it. That's why he calls Israel, he says, do this with me, hope in God, take some action. Seek the quietness of your soul, the contentment of your soul in God with me. And so, how do we do that? What are some action steps to find and have what David has found? Well, before I get to those precise answers, I'm going to take David's illustration about the weaned child and run it out a little bit farther into life. You know, I, I don't remember much about being a baby. Um, I actually, there are pictures I had really good hair. It's a true story. But my assumption is that I cried when I needed something. Right? That's pretty common. And then I remember middle school years, and I didn't like my mom. I thought she was mean. And we argued constantly. I couldn't understand why she and my dad put the limitations on me that they did, wouldn't allow me to do certain things. I didn't understand the consequences of those things. The older I got, like as I moved into high school and even into college, I got more prideful. I was this, there was this idea that I knew far more about the world and life than my parents did. They were old school, you know, ah, you don't understand. And so I dismissed their instruction. I dismissed their guidance. I dismissed their wisdom. And I thought, I know what I'm doing. I see this often in high school ministry. Where I go, eh, you should probably listen to your parents. Some kids do, and some kids just pursue what they see as best in their own eyes. And then there was this point in young adulthood where the light bulb went on, and I was like, oh my gosh, my parents aren't the dumb ones. I'm the dumb one. <laughs> you know? I, I still remember, like, you know, when you're in college particularly if you you know if you don't go right into the workforce and you go to college all of this responsibility and debt is like hidden in the college financial department and you never have to really see it like the tv just turns on and you have a place to live and you swipe cards and you eat food and everything's great and then you get out 
and you realize like, whoa, houses are expensive. And I have to pay for insurance. And oh, wow, it's way more expensive than when mom and dad were paying for it. And then this was for me, I was like, wait, I have to pay for water coming in and water to go back out? (laughs) You know? And electricity and internet? Wait, my phone doesn't cost $10 a month? When when I pay for it, it's a hundred and something, you know? You learn all these things and you do. You go, huh, I'm the dumb one. And then hopefully in a best case scenario, not all scenarios are like this, but indulge me for a minute. You begin actually to build relationship with your parents that is more filled with enjoying them for who they are instead of what you can get from them. Over the past 38 years, I've been blessed to have a good relationship with my mom. And I've learned that she's not mean. <laughs> she's, she's wise. And she wouldn't compromise in our home. She was able to see things, go figure, that my eighth grade mind couldn't see. And I've learned that she's trustworthy and honest and generous and faithful. I used to love when she would go to work, when she would leave, so that I wouldn't have to talk to her and I wouldn't have to argue with her. And at 38, I, now, I love when mom comes over. I love just spending time with her. Why? It's not because I'm going, let me see what I can get out of mom. Let me see what she'll give me. Maybe she's going to bring me a present today. It has nothing to do with that. I just love her because I've gotten to know her. And again, on Mother's Day, I know that that's not everybody's experience. But here's what I would commend to you. These are all illustrations of what our relationship can tend to look like with God. David used uses the weaned child and the unweaned child. Sometimes we are like that unweaned child that is just yelling at God for what we want. Sometimes we're like eighth grade Joe Valeni who thinks this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't know what's best for me. He can't be trusted. My ideas are way better, so I'm gonna do what I think is best. Sometimes we're that high school or college student that thinks they know better. And sometimes, hopefully, each of us comes to a place in our relationship with God where we go, oh, oh, he's not the dumb one. I'm the dumb one. He's not the fool. I'm the fool. And we begin genuine relationship with him, getting to know him and seeing that he is faithful and trustworthy and good. That we can submit our lives into his hands because that is the best place for our lives to be. That we can actually know God personally and grow in our relationship with him to the point where we never want to leave his presence. And so how do we get there? How do we walk through all of these seasons of life and relationship? I would propose to you three things, and there are more. The first is that you spend time daily in God's word. This is where the pursue part comes in. This is where the work part comes in. This is where we lean in and do something. 
See, the Bible will teach you the depth of your own foolishness. The Bible will teach you the strength and magnificence and the power of God. The Bible will teach you the incredible grace and mercy of God. The Bible will teach you the faithfulness of God. The Bible will share stories of men and women who chose not to trust God so that you can avoid their folly. The Bible will tell you about God's promise of a Savior and His making good on that promise through the person and work of Jesus Christ. The Bible will tell you about God's plan for the future to rescue his children defeat the devil and restore all things if you want to find contentment for your soul you will find it in relationship and you cannot have relationship with god outside of his word it's where he speaks it's where he speaks to you you want to know what God's like? Page after page of what He's like. And yet we, I, I, I'll admit alongside you, I, I'll go to Facebook in the morning. And it's insanity. This has been so good for my soul. We find God, we build relationship with Him in, in His Word, and then secondly, we build relationship when we speak back to Him in prayer. When we share with Him what's on our hearts, when we confess our sins to Him, and He speaks back to us in His Word, and there's this conversation, and the relationship grows far beyond gimme, 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 to, I don't ever want to leave where you are. To say with the psalmist in Psalm 16, in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. That's what I want for you, and that's what David wants for us collectively. That's why he says, oh, Israel, join me. Join me in seeking out this soul-satisfying relationship with God in his word and in prayer and then finally in community with other believers we are intended to live this life together to challenge one another to pray for one another to love one another to bear one another's burdens and so if you're not connected into a life group here or if you have drifted off due to covid we are intended to live together if you want that type of soul satisfying contentment if you're squirmy and you need rest if your heart is too high and lofty if you're ready for real relationship with jesus you find it in his word and in prayer and in the community of believers I am challenging myself to re-up my commitment to these three things. To God's word and to prayer and to living in community. Because I'll be honest with you. COVID here, and I know it's the same in your home and in your job, has caused me to feel like I just have so much to do. And if I don't do it, nobody's going to do it. And my soul is restless. And David has given us the answer for peace and contentment. So I invite you as David has. Would you join me? Would you join me in seeking supreme satisfaction in God and God alone? Let's pray. Lord, I love the words of that song that we sang earlier. All my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you've been so, so good. Lord, would you forgive us when we turn to ourselves and to the world to other means of finding satisfaction and purpose and identity. Thank you for texts like Psalm 131 that refocus our hearts and our minds on that 
which truly satisfies. I think of Isaiah 55 that says, why do you spend your money on things that don't satisfy? Why do you spend your time on that which is not real food? Listen to me. Come to me and your soul will delight in the richest food, Jesus. Oh Lord, remind us today where our satisfaction is found, where our peace is found, where our hope is found. The world can provide nothing of these things. Temporary foolishness, but you, in you is all that we could ever need. So cause us as a people to be people of your word, to be people of prayer, and to be people of true Christian community, loving one another, being at peace with one another, bearing one another's burdens, and encouraging one another to seek you with all that we have. We love you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we close, we're just going to take a few minutes. Oh. As we close, we're just going to take a few minutes. And Brian and the team are going to lead us in a song. And I want to encourage you not to stand. It's probably a song that you don't know, and that's okay. The intent is for it to just minister to your soul. And you're going to leave here and you're going to get into Mother's Day stuff. And so I just want to, just for a couple minutes, whatever commitment you need to make to God today, whatever steps you, you need to take to say, hey, I'm, I'm re-upping, I'm going, to, I'm going to begin to pursue this peace again. Wh- whether that may be changing your quiet time, maybe that may be uh, setting aside more time for prayer, whether that be maybe connecting into a life group or calling those guys or gals that you're in accountability with, whatever that is, in the next few moments, I just want to ask you to make a commitment between yourself and the Lord to take whatever that step may be. Because as soon as Mother's Day starts, you're going to get distracted. So for the next few minutes, just to make that commitment between you and the Lord. And then maybe tonight or tomorrow morning, write that down. And then let's go after, let's pursue our satisfaction in God alone. Happy Mother's Day. Have a great Sunday. inside your arms Can I sit with you a while Can I listen to your heart Can I feel it beat with mine I've come to love the way you cover me with who you are. Can I listen to your heart? What better friend, what better father, no greater king, no other savior. My only guide, my perfect lover, here I am for you. Can I sit with you?
relationship and closeness and fellowship with us God but we let things get in the way whether they're things that are too high and lofty for us we seek other things instead of contentment and resting in your presence spending time with you Holy Spirit, do your work in our hearts and convict us. We would repent and find your grace and you waiting for us. So don't let us run away too fast today without doing business with you as you lead us. We need your help. In Jesus' name. Amen.